In today's episode, I am joined by Carolina Hurricanes play-by-play announcer Mike Maniscalco as we preview this upcoming season as well as discuss his history covering the team and the growth of hockey in the Raleigh area. Enjoy. Your Locked On Hurricanes, your daily podcast on the Carolina Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Kaniacs. I'm your host, Jared Ellis, and you're listening to Locked On Hurricanes on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, and as I mentioned in today's episode, I am joined by one Mike Maniscalco, Carolina Hurricanes play-by-play announcer. I was really, really looking forward to this interview. I had a blast doing it. As I mentioned in the interview, this was one that I was able to check off the bucket list. But before we get into all of that, I do want to once again thank you for making Locked On Hurricanes your first listen of this Tuesday afternoon. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Hurricanes. And follow myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. As I mentioned, I had a blast doing this interview. Again, is a bucket list guest checked off for me. But before we dive into that interview, I do want to tell you about today's sponsor. And that is Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens has been a partner of the network for quite a long time. So maybe you have tried it, maybe you haven't. But if you haven't, you're probably asking yourself, what is it? Well, with one delicious scoop, AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole-source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. And it's lifestyle friendly. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, whatever, it is good for you. And it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Helps support better sleep quality and recovery. Spelt mental clarity and alertness and one of the best things about it is that it uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant third-party testing and product iterations it costs you less than three dollars a day you are investing in your health and it's cheaper than going and getting a coffee every day and it's cheaper than getting a whole bunch of different supplements you're investing in all in one nutritional insurance so right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health and to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now, folks, like I said, today 
we have Mike Maniscalco on the show. Again, I cannot say it enough. Thank you to Mike for coming on the show. This was, again, a bucket list guest for me. Got him on the show. It's an absolute blast to have him on and talk to him. And I really hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. Enjoy, folks. All right, Kaniacs, I am joined today by the one and only Mike Maniscalco. You guys know him as the play-by-play commentator of the Carolina Hurricanes. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm fine, Jared. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, of course. I've been wanting to have you on the show for, geez, about as long as I've been doing the show now. So able to check this one off the bucket list. So I'm very excited. Oh, happy to be here. All right, so diving on into this, uh, something that folks are talking a lot about right now is the a position battle heading into training camp. The Hurricanes have a very deep roster, which is no secret. And as I mentioned, there appears to be a bit of a position battle starting to brew between Ethan Bear, Jalen Chatfield, Jake Gardner, Dylan Coglin, and now Calvin DeHaan may be coming back into the fold. Uh, because he recently signed a PTO. What are your thoughts on that potential battle heading into training camp? Well, I think, uh, one, competition is, is always good uh, when you've got guys pushing for spots on a roster, uh, especially as deep as this Hurricanes team is, Jared, as you mentioned. I don't think that you want guys coming into the season thinking that you know everything's earned and there's nothing uh, up for grabs. I think whenever you have guys who can push, and push for more time. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that things are locked in in, in the top four. I think we know they are when we look at uh, the defense and how it plays out. But you want to have so many guys who are, uh, I like to call it Swiss Army knives. They can do more than just one thing. You know, you don't want a guy who all, all he's going to do pair. Ideally, the guys who play on that third pair can kill penalties. Uh, maybe they can jump up because injuries are going to happen. We know this in the course of a season. Can you have them jump up and play alongside uh, Jacob Slavin, a Brett Pesci, Brady Shea, Brent Burns? So uh, the, the DeHaan PTO interests me because I think that he fills the role that Brendan Smith had last year. You know, a veteran guy. He's been around the game. He's been in the postseason. You know, he knows this organization clearly because he was here four seasons ago. Uh, so he knows how they run. Different uh, defensive coach back then. It was Dean Chenault and now it's Tim Gleason. But, you know, the principles are still going to be the same. So is he a guy who can add value, come in and be that six, seven defenseman for the Canes? Dylan Coglin, I like an awful lot. I think that if anybody is, you know, snooped into his numbers, and I know that you have, he puts up points everywhere he's been on the blue line. So he's intriguing to me as far as is he really just a third pairing guy or is he going to get a look at maybe quarterbacking the second power play? The preseason will be very important for him. And then Ethan Bear, I think that there was a lot of hope last year that Ethan Bear would be that guy who quarterbacked uh, the second power play. And if you remember, the start to the season was very good for him. And then mm-hmm. he gets hit with COVID in, in San Jose. And that was back when, you know, if you, you tested positive, you had to stay where you were for 14 days. And, you know, he's stuck in a, a hotel room in San Jose. So that put him behind the eight ball. Uh, I think I'm giving you an answer to every single one of these players. Don't know if you want that or not. No, uh, but I'm fine with it. But that's like uh, if I keep checking down the boxes on these guys, you know, Jake Gardner's going to have to prove that he's he's healthy and he can hold up. Um, and I think it's a, a big training camp for him when it gets to it. We'll see. Uh, he hasn't really been around the team uh, since he's had his surgeries. And, 
you know, rehabbed and trying to get back and try to make everything happen. But on the, the same side of things, you know, he's another guy when he's healthy, we know he can quarterback a second power play and, and he can quarterback it pretty efficient. We saw what he was able to do in Toronto those years. And that was the hopes when he came down here. And, you know, I, I think what Jalen Chatfield has done is he's played himself into being an NHL player. I really liked what we saw out of him last year. Uh, he's dependable. You know what you're going to get out of him every single shift. I think he'd be a decent penalty killer. We saw that too. You know, when the, the Canes were down, Tony D'Angelo and Brett Pesci last year, how he stepped up and, and really elevated his game. And, and I think that that's the reason why he got rewarded with a contract he did mm-hmm. this past season. So, uh, but he's also that one guy who I think you can put on a string. Uh, you can keep him in Chicago if you need to, but uh, I, I would like to see him get a, a real good look with his club. So that, that bottom pairing, you know, there are four or five guys who could be regulars in the NHL and they're going to be wondering if they're going to be having a job at the end of training camp. So I think that's a really good position battle to look out for. And it's not just who's the five, six, it's who else can bring something to the table, who can be on the power play, who can be on the penalty kill. And that's why, again, I'll go back to Calvin DeHaan is kind of interesting to me because I know he'll kill penalties for this team. We've seen him do it. Coglin's pretty interesting to me because is he going to get a look on the power play? Uh, with the, and I know that Rod Brindamore does not like to label them. He goes, you guys label the units, but uh, whatever grouping he's put in, I'm wondering if he's going to get a, a long look at being a power play quarterback for the Hurricanes because that's where his career has been trending. So it's good. I, I like it. I, I don't like when we go into a training camp and, all right, we just want to make sure everybody's healthy. You know, just get out of this and go to the next one. I think you want to kind of set a tone and set some internal competitions for spots. And it's not just the the defense. I'm sure we're going to get into that. But that's the most prominent one right now, at least as far as the names and the lack of, of spots for those names that the Hurricanes have right now. Yeah, for sure. It is definitely going to be very interesting to watch. I'm very much looking forward to it. And moving on to the other side of the ice with the forwards, Max Pacioretty. He's going to be out till roughly February, if my math is correct there. Who do you think uh, steps up and slots into what you figure would probably be you know, on the second line, maybe the first line there for him? Because there's that's another position where you're like, all right, you know, who's going to be where? Because you had a lot of guys leaving free agency this year. So those spots were open up. A lot of people have been thinking Jack from Chicago. He's going to be one that makes the move up. Derek Stepan, another guy on a PTO. Ryan Dezingle brought back on a two-way deal. A lot of guys that could potentially be cracking that roster. How do you see that battle going down? Uh, well, it, I want to get one thing clear, like when people are talking about Jack Drury, where he's going to fit. I think he's he's a center. I I don't oh, think yeah. I don't think. But like, if you're looking at where Max Pacioretty is, I don't think that you're going to see Jack Drury play the wing alongside, you know, and, and run down the list. He's not going to be the winger with uh, Jordan Stahl. He's not going to be the winger with Jesperi Kokiniemi. So I think that the the ideal plan is is Jack Drury stays in the middle. Like that's mm-hmm. where they would in a perfect world you'd put him there. The guy who I'm looking to, because Max Pacioretty was brought in to score goals for this team. Now that's if we're looking at an Achilles heel, especially come playoff time, it's where do the goals go and where do they come from for Carolina? The guy who I'm looking for in the regular season is already there. And he's already, I think we've all got him slotted in the top six. 
it's Marty Natchez. This is a big year for me for Marty Natchez to pick up the slack of, all right, well, we thought Max Pacioretty was going to be the goal scorer. Well, no, this is this is the time for Natchez to turn into, are you going to be a 25-30 goal scorer? Now, I know he says he wants to play center too. So this is something that could be intriguing as this season moves along. You know, Does he move into the middle? Does Kokaniemi move down a couple of lines? I think that the, the team tried – uh, Code Kanyemi on the wing, and it 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 didn't it didn't fit the way that I think both parties wanted it to. So he's set for being a center. So who's going to step up? Who's going to get that call? Um, there there are a couple of guys who are going to get a I think a long look at it. But it starts for me with Natchez. I think we already knew he was going to be there, but Natchez and Code Kanyemi, and then what do the Canes do? Is it Tara Vinen who's on that wing, and you keep Svechnikov with Aho and Jarvis as the top line? So I think that's kind of the the initial reaction I have to that. And then you, you add Paul Stastny. And I think the knee-jerk thing for all of us was, oh, well, you signed Paul Stastny because Max Pacioretty got hurt. I think that there's a yes and no to that. You know, you can have two answers to this, and it's, it's not the same. They signed Stastny because they had the ability uh, and they had an availability up front to bring in a player like Stastny and he can play on the wing because he's done that in his career with Vegas and with Winnipeg. But, you know, he, he comes up as a center with Colorado. But he's not brought in to replace Max Pacioretty, completely different player. Uh, even though he scored 20 last year for Winnipeg, he's not brought in to be a goal scorer. I, I think, and of course, what I think does not matter, Jared, right. I think that uh, you've, you've listened to the old podcast that uh, Shane Willis and I, and it used to be Michael Smith host, where we say they don't tell us anything, we don't know anything. Uh, but I think that Stasny is going to get that opportunity to play and take the Nino role with uh, Jesper Faust and, and Jordan Stahl on that line. I just think that he suits really well there. Or maybe he plays on that line if Jack Drury is the fourth line center you've got a guy in, in Paul Stasny who can take some big face-offs for you. So the guy who I point to in a very long-winded answer goes back to the guy who I think we all anticipate or want to see in that top six role. And I think it's Marty Natchez. He's got to be the guy who, while Pacioretty's out, he's got to find his offensive game. And then on the plus side, your math is right. I've, I've heard late January, early February for a return, uh, if, if everything goes right for Max Pacioretty and his rehab from that torn Achilles. You look at it this way, that's the player who the Hurricanes add at the trade deadline to give them more offensive punch for the playoffs. So uh, while it, uh, I, I, I really would have liked to have seen how the Canes offense would have worked for, you know, the probably 55, 60 games he'll be missing with him in there. Uh, it, it's got to fall to, I think, the guy who's on the roster who uh, I know that this was a, a weird offseason for Marty Natchez by why it took so long to get a contract for him. But I think he's the guy who's got to fill that void. Yeah, I, I agree there. I think Natchez, it's it's a big year for him coming up. I was critical of him last year, of him not playing to the expectations I had for him. And then going into this year, he's got to step up. And like you said, now with Patch Reddy being out, he's got to do it. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about training camp and all that stuff. And just this season going forward, you know, earlier you mentioned – Ethan Bear, you know, a lot of expectations coming in for him last season didn't really pan out. He was my pick for my breakout player last season. Who is your pick for your breakout player this season? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if uh, you will count this as a, a breakout player, but I expect Seth Jarvis to just continue to keep growing and and be even better 
than what we saw last year. Uh, I know that that's kind of a very safe bet, uh, putting my my chips on that. But I, I think that there is more for Seth Jarvis to give now for 82 games. I think we saw a little bit as a rookie, if you remember last year, a couple mm-hmm. of times. You, you hear the term, you hit the rookie wall. Uh, I think that there, there was a time or two where it looked like, okay, you know, he hadn't played this schedule against this competition before in his life. But once he figured it out, second half of the season and the postseason, I think you saw what he's got to deliver. So uh, a breakout year, I, I expect a lot out of Seth Jarvis this year. I truly do. I think that he's a guy who you can uh, – I'm, I'm hopefully penciling him in for 60-plus points for the Kings. So Yeah, I really hope that is the case. I was really – I think we all were really surprised yeah. just by him last year. You know, it was going in, it's either – you make the Hurricanes roster or you're going back to the Winterhawks. And that was it. And he essentially forced the team's hand. You know, yeah. like, all right, you know. And I know uh, old host of Locked on Kings, Locked on NHL, Sarah Avampato, she covers the Wolves and Hurricanes prospects. She absolutely loved his season last year of, you know, just feeling very attached to him, you know. And I think we all just got really attached to him of – no one expected that last yeah. season and getting that it's going to be great this year. I, I cannot wait to see him. And yeah, he's definitely an easy pick to put in for breakout play of the year. I'm not sure what exactly or who exactly, excuse me, would be mine, but uh, Seth Jarvis is a good pick for sure. The only other, only other person I'd put in there because I think uh, that question is always like, who are you expecting, you know, to exceed, or you have no expectations of this player when they came in. And if you remember, Seth Jarvis, they had no choice, either keep him or send him back to junior. He gave them every reason to keep them. And I think that that exceeded the expectations. And then when we saw him get on the ice and play better, if you want a guy who I think that the fan base right now, and it's because we just haven't seen enough of him, we'll go back to the to the defense. I think Dylan Coughlin can be a breakout player this year for the Canes, especially if he gets that look on the power play. Yeah, that is also a very good point. Whenever that trade happened and talking with the guys from uh, the Vegas show, they're singing his praises of just how good he can be as well. And I know this is kind of a uh, bit of a weird, well, not necessarily a weird question, but one that's a bit far out, kind of like breakout player of the year. But what are your bold predictions for this season? Uh, bold predictions for the season. I think that Andre Svechnikov is going to score 40. I think mm-hmm. that he's going to be, I mean, I don't know if we can go that's really bold, but like I, I expect him to start cementing himself as one of the elite goal scorers in the National Hockey League. So we'll start with that. I think that Brent Burns is going to have 85 points because I think the power play is going to be that good with Brent Burns quarterbacking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and last year we saw defensemen put up numbers left and right from the blue line, and he is going to thrive in this system. Jared, trust me, he mm-hmm. is going to be – a guy who puts up, uh, I, I probably he'll have a pace where we're going to talk about him in the Norris because we talk about points and not defense. And I would go Jacob Slavin every day yeah. to the Norris, but I I think that you're going to see Brent Burns have you know at 37 years old. And remember, I think we've seen him on the workout videos already. He's no normal 37 year old. I think he's going to have a massive season for the Canes on the blue line and. Uh, Let's put Sebastian Ajo. He was a point per game player last mm-hmm. year. I'm gonna I'm gonna add more to that. He's gonna have 100 points this year for the Hurricanes. I like it. I very much like it. 
uh, and going to Brent Burns whenever that trade happened and talking from with JD from Lockdown Sharks of Brent Burns having, a, I believe it was a 52-54 point season on that Sharks team last year that wasn't great. Right. Uh, and him being able to just kind of step back here and do his thing and not have to be the guy like, all right, I got to go out there and do everything. No, I can just stick to what I do. And you're right. You know, he's not a normal 37-year-old. I know people give me crap for being a Patriots fan, Tom Brady fan, but he's very much like on that TV 12 method. He's not a normal guy in his normal middle-aged guy, you know? Yeah, and for me, it's having Jacob Slavin as his defensive partner five-on-five is also going to open up way more avenues for points for him. He likes to jump in on the play. He likes to shoot. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the Canes are going to reap the benefits of that. And you're right. I don't know if he eats avocados every day. Right. <laughs> he does have quite the personality. And I think the Canes fans are going to love him. And again, I think that he fits perfectly. You know, when when Tony D'Angelo uh, was was dealt to Philly, like he's what you look for. You're like, all right, how do you replace? You know, it's two years in a row. The Canes have had to replace a right handed shot D who quarterbacks the power play. And I think it's the second year in a row that the front office found the right replacement for it. I I cannot wait to see Burns uh, fully involved with this Canes offense and and what he brings and and just how dynamic he's been his whole career. And I know that some people argue his points can be skewed because he spent some time as a forward, but Mm -hmm. I just think how he plays defensively and and how he's going to have the green light to do things that will put more pressure on the opposition and will open up the ice for his teammates. Can't wait to see it. I know. I can't wait to see it. I remember whenever the trade happened, talking with my old co-host Walker, he was ecstatic about the move. He's really looking forward to it. Now, moving away, you know, from the season predictions, you know, you've been the Hurricanes play-by-play announcer since the bubble. Uh, And so you've, called quite a few games since then what have been some of your favorite calls since you've been the play-by-play announcer uh the Sebastian Ajo goal in the bubble against the Rangers where he he walked who would become his future teammate uh Tony Mm -hmm. D'Angelo uh that's one that will stand up there you know Sebastian Ajo is going to be in the middle of a, a lot of these when you ask me my favorite calls uh the overtime goal that he had uh against Calgary this past season uh the playoffs two seasons ago, the Jordan Stahl game-winning goal in overtime where he bats it out of the air in game five at PNC and the arena goes just absolutely bonkers. You know, that's one of those moments that you get chills, like the, the hair on the arm stands up thinking about it. Uh, that's up there. Um, uh, just there have been so many moments that you run through and you know you try to boil it down you're like well is you know is this the the all-time favorite or is this the the one that you know I liked better than that one I I just for a whole game the Canes bouncing the Boston Bruins in game seven this year because you know we kept going into that game and nobody talked about how Boston couldn't win at PNC it was just well the Canes couldn't win in Boston well you know, well, let's see how game seven will go. And then Max Domi has that huge game and, you know, how well Auntie Ronta played in that, that postseason and the, the big saves that he had. Those are those are games that that stand out for me. And, you know, there's some calls within those games that uh, you look back on and they're they're 
pretty special. And, um, you know, I'll go back to that, that Rangers series in the bubble. Uh, the first 90 seconds of that series, uh, I had Brady Shea deliver a huge hit on Jesper Faust mm-hmm. and Justin Williams gets into a fight. And then you have Jacob Slavin scoring a goal, you know, with an absolute laser past Henrik Lundqvist. So, uh, you know, the playoffs generally seem to have um, some of the, the big moments about it. Uh, I have a, a radio only call in the Islanders series uh, where Jordan Starr, you know, the Canes win game seven, double overtime against Washington. Then they've got to go up to uh, Brooklyn and, and play the Isles and Stahl wins that game. For whatever reason, Jordan mm-hmm. Stahl scores big goals for me in overtime in the postseason. So I'm I'm here for that. Uh, those calls are are ones that stand out for me. Yeah, and there's like you said, just been so many, and you know, you bring up these uh, these moments. You know, that Rangers game. Uh, me, my girlfriend, one of my friends. You know, we're downtown at Raleigh Beer Garden watching it and just having fun. We're all just because, like you said, said during the first ninety seconds, it just goes nuts. Yeah, it, it was so fun and actually. That game five against Nashville, that where Jordan Stahl had that double OT game winner, that was the first playoff game I've ever been to, and oh, it was well, you picked a good one to go to. It, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a great moment. I actually blew out my voice, uh, screaming so hard, uh, and you know, going into work the next day, I could barely talk. Um, I'd have to go back and find it, but like the recap videos that we do. Yeah, you could already tell my voice was going uh, whenever we went out uh, to the Bally Sports uh, post-game thing down at the uh, South Plaza. Ran into Scotty McCreary down there and just like, oh, what's up, Scotty? Fist bump, you know, keep going. It, it was super, super fun. Yeah, that's, I mean, uh, I, I think that every Canes fan has has realized just how special uh, the postseason is. And I think they knew it before because, if we look at the history, it, it didn't happen all the time. And now we're in the middle of this great run of, of postseason hockey. And the reason why it's so great is that environment around the building. You know, when the, the fans are there, the tailgating, nobody else has that in the NHL. And it, it makes a huge difference. And I can tell you when you're walking out of the building and there are people still celebrating a win in the parking lot, you know, 90 minutes two hours after the game you know the players pick up on it players you know they they tell everybody else about what's going on and oh you got to see this environment it's absolutely crazy so uh to be a part of that since the the bubble with this this run that this team has gone on in the postseason it's been it's been a lot of fun and uh i don't see it ending anytime soon right now the way that this team's constructed yeah i know i don't see it anytime uh ending anytime soon either and i actually have a question for you uh from Mike from the Locked on Leafs show, he asked uh, if you could go back in time and be the play-by-play announcer for any sports moment, what would it be? <laughs> any sports moment? Yeah. Uh, well, for me, being a USA hockey guy, you know, 1980 kind of stands out, knocking mm-hmm. off the Russians in the, the semifinals at Lake Placid. Um, but Al Michaels did a pretty good job with that call. So I don't think I could do it any better than that. Um, you know, for me, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big New York Yankees fan. So, 
Uh, there's lots of moments that the Yankees have provided for me uh, throughout the years because the 80s were kind of bleak as a Yankee fan. Uh, then that run that they went on in the 90s, maybe uh, this is going to sound weird for some because everybody would think it's a hockey call uh, mm-hmm. in 1980s at the top of the list. But like I say, I recuse myself from that because who's going to do it better than do you believe in miracles? Right. Um, so Don Mattingly's playoff home run against the Seattle Mariners in 95. I know it's obscure, but uh, Donnie baseball was, you know, that was the guy who I modeled my, uh, my at bats after and mm-hmm. uh, for him to finally get in the playoffs and hit a home run and Gary Thorne, who of course a great hockey guy as well, with a great call, you know, hold on to the roof and, you know, they were outdoors, which made me right. better, but um you know, there's, it's just so many, like if I could go back, if there's one, you know, singular moment, do I do, you know, any play in history or do I do one with my favorite teams that win a title? Um, but pretty much uh, I, I like, I like listening. I'm a, I'm a huge play-by-play junkie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to hear some of the best calls. Like that's the thing people always ask me, you know, well, do you do this? Do you, you know, do you go, you know, and, and do play-by-play you know it's not like I'm going to a skate park and calling games Jerry in the summertime you know uh but I'll go back and I'll I'll listen to great games or classic games and you know the best who call it and you're listening for just little things that they say you know when they know when to say a word or when to to stand back you know for me one of the greatest calls in in sports history is Jack Buck when uh Kirby Puckett hits a home run to send the twins and for the Braves fans who are watching, I apologize, but you all know where I'm going with this one uh, to send it to a game seven. And the call is, we'll see you tomorrow night. That's it. You know, Mm -hmm. he didn't have to put anything else on it. Um, But yeah, those, there's just so many moments for me to, again, pick just one. It's kind of hard to do, but uh, if, if Al Michaels didn't have that legendary call in 1980 with the United States knocking off the, the Soviet union and, in hockey in the Olympics would probably be the number one call that I would want to be a part of. Yeah. My girlfriend and uh, her family are going to hate the uh, brave slander there. <laughs> it's, it's not slander. They oh, I know. Team seven. I'm just, <laughs> I know they're going to hate that. Um, uh, but again, you just bringing up the Yankees. That one hurt me because I'm a Red Sox fan. Oh, it is. So. Uh, <laughs> I mean, after oh, 2000, yeah. after 2001, I really stopped watching baseball. Have the Red mm-hmm. Sox done anything since then? Oh, just won a few World Series. Yeah, it doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, you've also been covering the team uh, since about 2007, if I remember yep. correctly, when yep. you're uh, doing the radio and they moved into the on-ice reporter in 2016. Uh, something I mentioned with uh, NC State Ice Pack head coach Tim Healy on previous episode was just the growth of hockey in the area. Obviously, the Hurricanes had had a massive effect on that because one thing we brought up is growing up. I've obviously you know, grown up a Hurricanes fan, of course, but the opportunities you know for kids these days they went around. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I'm turning 26 at the end of this week. You know none of those were around back yeah. in when I was a kid. Now there's just an explosion of youth hockey in the area. And of course, again, the hurricanes have had a whole lot to do with that. So how has it been for you having 
been covering hockey in the area for so long to see this growth happening. Oh, it's great. I mean, put it this way. You were one when the Hurricanes moved here. Mm-hmm. So their first season here, uh, when they, you know, they spent their first two years in Greensboro. Uh, I don't think anybody could anticipate the growth of hockey here. But, you know, when I when I got here, hard to believe this one now, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, there was still a lot of, you know, hockey is new. And, you know, there was some of that pushback. We didn't grow up with it. Well, now you did. And there's like two generations that have grown up with the Carolina Hurricanes and, you know, them winning the cup in 05, 06. I think that that was just you, you point to touchstones or mile markers for things that change in attitude or, you know, when did this become bigger? The Canes winning the Stanley Cup was a huge deal for this area. Absolutely huge deal needed to happen. And then you saw, you know, kids wanting to get into the sport and then, players retired but they stayed in the area and you know their kids want to play and then where the hurricanes have done a marvelous job uh, one i think the access that they have given the community to the team is second to none you do not find the access that this fan base the season ticket holders the media has with a pro team anywhere uh, i mean i i I grew up in in Buffalo. There's a hockey team and a football team there. Uh, In the NFL and the NHL, as everybody knows, you don't have this access to players, not like this, not on a regular basis. Uh, Definitely not in Toronto or New York Mm -hmm. or Montreal. Um, You know, you can talk about the the pressures to play there and uh, how the media is always present. But I think how this team put themselves out in the community was huge. And then I've got to give a huge stick tap to Shane Willis, uh, for tons of reasons, uh, besides being the guy who was on the desk with me for those seasons before uh, my my role changed with the Canes. But the other part of it with Shane, he has done a remarkable job growing the Junior Hurricanes programs, where I'm sure that when you started, uh, if there was ice available in three or four places, that was a lot. And now you have the first goal program and the Junior Hurricanes They're in Charlotte. They're in Greensboro. They're all around the triangle with the rinks that are built. I don't think that you get the Wake Competition Center with the Invisalign Arena built if you don't have this youth program and this youth movement of hockey that's grown. So for me to watch it, it's awesome. It really is. And I like to tell the people who, oh, Carolina, they know there's hockey. I'm like, yeah, it's really good, too. I'm going to take a look at what their junior teams do when they're playing in competitions up in Canada or across the country. I'm like, it's it's taken a big hold here. So and just in the 15 years that I've been here, it's it's been remarkable to see the growth of it. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I've said this before, and I firmly believe it. If the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League can grow up in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a definitely a first-round pick, but maybe a first overall coming from Raleigh or the Triangle uh, in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, access to players. One of my favorite things I will ever do on that Twitter app was drunk tweeting at Jordan Martinuk, like, Oh, hey, you want to go get a beer? And then he's like, Oh, yeah, I'll be back in Raleigh whenever we get to go have Storm Brew before it gets released to the public. We go down to the Oak, and it's just a whole big thing. It was my claim to fame on Twitter. Oh, uh, 
There is, you are not, and that's the other part of it too, but seeing you now know uh, Jordan Martinuk, you don't find a better person than Jordan Martinuk. And he gets it. He connects with the mm-hmm. fan base. And I think that's the thing that is special here. Um, when people ask me about it, it's, it's a professional team, but because the fan base grew up and I don't think I'm not using this in a, in a, you know, putting it down or derogatory way. When I say the college mentality of the fan base, it's like, no, you're ours. You're, you're our guys. We're, we're with you the whole way. Uh, I, I think that you see that in a lot of players now feed off of that, that they realize when they come here that the fans yeah, they're not going to bother you when you're eating. They they just want to, you know, have a beer with you after the game and yeah. you know, tell you, ah, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, you didn't win tonight, but you win tomorrow, or you won tonight, go ahead and win again tomorrow. And it's it's just an outstanding culture that has been developed here. And you know, one of the guys at the center of that is the head coach of the team, Rod Brindamore. I, I everybody always asks me, Jared, when I do interviews. You know, well, how have the, the Canes gotten to this point? I go, it starts and ends with one guy, and it's the head coach of the team, and it's Rod Brindamore. Yeah, it, it really does. And one last question for you before we wrap things up. We're month, one month away from opening night today. And what do you have to say to the fans, new fans, old fans, whatever it may be, heading into this new season? Uh, get ready, because this is a team that – I know has a burn to him the way that the last three postseasons have ended. And I'll even go for that unexpected run to the conference finals against Boston. This is a team that's got a core that has learned how to win. They've added some really good pieces. Last year was a, a fun season. This year's going to be even better, Jared. It's going to be even better. So get ready. It's going to be, I think, one of the, the best seasons that. Carolina Hurricanes fans, players, anybody who's involved with the team has has been a part of in a while. And uh, the last season was pretty darn good. I know that there was one that happened. We're doing the math right now, 17 seasons ago. Can't believe it's been that long. Uh, Yeah. When we get to that point, where does the time go? But I'm I'm telling you, this is going to be a it's going to be a special year, Carolina Hurricanes. I'm so much looking forward to it. And thank you for coming on the show today, talking hockey with me, talking to Hurricanes. I very much appreciate it. Like I said, I can finally check you off the bucket list of having you on the show. Well, I'm glad I was on the bucket list. You need to, you really need to expand the bucket list if I'm on that chair. Just saying. (laughs) Well, I mean, you remember that old Cardiac Cane uh, article I wrote uh, years ago whenever you went out. So, you know, you mean a lot to me. You mean a lot to the fans. So, of course, you're going to be on that bucket list. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate being back here, uh, being able to talk to you. Uh, role's a little different right now. It, you asked me for play-by-play, but if you want to know, like, my, all, my all-time uh, Carolina Hurricanes game moment, it was that first game back uh, from a, a little wrong turn I made in, in mm-hmm. San Jose. Uh, and the team just absolutely pummeled the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, I was on the bench for the, the interviews. And, you know, the guys generally just walk by, go into the room, and every single one of them, uh, there was a fist bump. And it was that was the one where 
you know, you're sitting there and you're like, just keep the emotions in check. We got to make it. <laughs> let's, you know, let's not get too worked up. Uh, so that, you know, when people ask me what's my all time favorite Carolina Hurricanes game, it's some um, uh, innocuous game against the Ottawa Senators in the beginning of the season, like in November. But uh, that's that's the one. But it, it again goes back to tell you how special a group this is and the fan base that's part of it. And I am so happy to be a an absolute speck, a, an atom of the fabric of, of how special uh, this team is right now and, and where they're going. You are very special to this franchise. And where can all the folks that find you on social media, if they don't already follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Maniscalco. That is the best place to follow me for everything that's out there. And of course, um, you know, you, you'll see me on TV every now and again. That'll happen at least 71 times this year. All right. So. Nationals got 11 games, Jared. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't bridge it any less than that. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Uh, and again, thank you for coming on the show. And I'm sure we'll talk at the 5K coming up super soon. Yeah, I will see you there, sir. All right.